Hey, this is John Legadakis of johnlegadakis.com and I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. This podcast is a live recording of an interview I do each week with other internet marketers, personal development and business leaders where we talk about how we can better promote our products and services online, get more traffic and make more sales. I hope you get a lot out of today's recording. Hello and welcome to the podcast, everyone. It's great to have you here. Thank you so very much for joining me. Our special guest today is Anthony Amos. He's an Aussie, but he's coming to us all the way from the US. Thanks for joining us, Anthony. G'day, mate. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Now, let me tell you a bit about Anthony. Anthony Amos has founded and sold massive franchises. And we're talking here about Hydro Dog Australia New Zealand. Um, which was the biggest sale of a franchise ever worldwide. He's a successful property investor, also professional speaker, inventor, and angel investor. And uh, sorry, uh, if you can hear a bit of rain in the background, we just just got a bit of a thunderstorm coming through my area. But uh, look, Anthony, I'm like as I mentioned before, you're from Australia originally. I think you've been here sure most of your life, but you're in the U.S. at the moment. And, and I guess we're going to talk a bit about why you're there. But tell us a bit about Anthony, so, so about yourself growing up. Who is Anthony Amos? Well, mate, uh, that's a very open-ended question. I guess I'll try and put it into a, a little bit of a pigeonhole without getting too carried away because I've been a bit of a lunatic growing up. So let's begin with uh, school, I guess, you know, I, I was a fanatical rugby league player as a kid. I started at the age of five and finished at the age of 30, had two professional years um, in between. And those professional years led me into, um, into business. So I'd finished high school, got contracted to the, um, the Gold Coast Seagulls and had a, uh, a two year deal with those guys. And when I was getting re-signed for the, you know, the, the third, fourth and fifth year, there was a contract there for me to jump into but what I did in the off season I started a business we called it hydro dog and it was, I pretty much had a hydro bar we went and bought a hydro bar stuck in the back of a rusty old six by four trailer in the backyard that I had and put an ad in the paper and uh we went out washing dogs for ten dollars a dog uh it, we were sort of one of the first to do that in Australia at the time it'd been in America for a while but it was more grooming and uh we just got out there and put the ad in and charged it ten dollars and before you knew it we had um, around each. So my brother and I had a, a trailer each that we now had dressed up a little bit better than just the garden shed trailer. And the business literally took off, mate. It was We just hit the market right at the right time and I loved it so much and you know, I didn't re-sign. But I could still play local football, so I sort of had a bit of a win. I could still play my footy and you know, run my own business. And the biggest thing for me, mate, at that age was I, I just struggled being told what to do all my life. You know, I mean, obviously my parents had a little bit of a handful on their hands with me, but I was, you know, still not too bad growing up. But when it came to other people, I think that's the entrepreneurial component of most people. They, they get to a point where they just, they just can't be told what to do. Not that they don't want to learn the attitudes of people trying to put you into a box that you don't want to go into. So that really hit home. And when I was, had the freedom of running my own business, even though it was washing dogs, I could still do what I want and make the money and everything. So the long story short, uh, we grew the business rapidly. We turned it into a franchise because our employees at a point um, got to uh, a state of mind where if it rained, they wouldn't go to work. If they got drunk on Friday, they wouldn't go to work on Saturday. One of the girls got pregnant. She just walked away from her round. You know, obviously, you put your baby first before, you know, washing dogs. But there was no skin in the game, mate. And that was the problem. 
So we got into franchising and now we were selling the franchises. Now they're skin in the game. People are just going to walk away from the round. But they will get out of bed in the morning when it's raining and they will go to work if they've got a hangover. So that's a big lesson that we learned with that. Um, we screened up the 100 franchises very, very quickly. Very successful young blokes from Australia. We ended up, and I love telling this story, we had a goal to fly to Geneva and buy a Rolex once we hit 100 and we did exactly that. <laughs> when we got back from Geneva, I said to my brother, yeah, it was really cool. It made one of the best experiences ever to, to have a goal. And you know what? It, it didn't end up being about having the 100 franchises or making all the money or anything. It was all about that frigging watch. It was truly <laughs> about the watch for me. And how, how crazy is that? When you think about all the perks and all the excitement and all the contacts and you know, building relationships came with that whole, you, you think about starting from zero and getting to a, hundred franchise it, it's it's very unique not a lot of people do that in in the franchising world especially at such a young age that we were but my motivation was that watch you know it's crazy so mm. anyway uh we get back to australia and i said to my brother i just i don't want to do this anymore i'm sort of i'm burnt out and i don't want to have to deal with all the franchises you know they were great I, I was just ready to go to the next level so um we came up with the master franchise idea which was to sell every state and then every state looked after the franchisee so now we just Seven blokes. I, I mean, there was actually a girl there too. Six blokes and a sheila, <laughs> and um, they they were now running the high end side of the business model, and they were then looking after their franchisees. So we didn't really have to deal with franchisees anymore. That mm -hmm. model was great. Loved it. It was like we had seven corporate, sophisticated entrepreneurs that just uh, it was just so awesome. It was a really great period. But after two years, I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm sort of got to that point again. Let's let's do something else. So. We then sold the business and we sold it right before the economy turned upside down. So we did very well with that. And uh, because no one's ever really sold a franchise before in the, in the grooming um, pet industry like that. So it was um, very fortunate of the timing. But then uh, we invested everything we had into a property, property deal up in, North, in Mackay. It was mm -hmm. a Ramada resort, $100 million Ramada resort. It was, it was a big, big deal. We're going from one level to a completely you know, another another level. I often laugh when I think, you know, what do you do when you make a ton of money? You go into going to become a property developer, and <laughs> that's generally what what people want to do. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. we didn't know a lot about the industry, but we had project managers, and everything was going great. And then the economy did turn upside down. Right. So our lender was American, so we couldn't take our money out. We couldn't roll our money over. We had all our stuff secured against it. You know, we, we were able to keep the the land component, but the the, the deal itself, you know, went under and we uh, we were then stuck. So, um, you know, my wife said, you know, we've got hired it. Why don't we, you know, take it to America? So another episode of coming to the US, we jumped over here and checked the place out. I found my business partners for um, Hydrodog America and um, they invested money and, you know, we came in as partners. And after about a year of piecing it together, I went back to Australia for a funeral. Like we go back every year for a, to visit. So we sort of, we, even though we're here and doing businesses, you know, we like to go back home obviously a lot to, to see everybody back home. Mm -hmm. went back to, I went back to a funeral on my own. It was my nan's funeral. When I got back, my partner said, listen, we're leaving too much money on the table. We don't want a franchise anymore. We want to corporatize. And I was like, well, look, I've been there before. If you don't have skin in the game, say, look, we can cover it. We think we've got the infrastructure for it. I said, all right, well, we're going to have to go through a buyout. So, that put me in a good position to start up a couple other businesses, invest in a few others, and um, things were going really, really good. And then a year and a half later, I get that call. We're going to liquidation. Do you want to buy the business back? I'm like, yes. So pennies mm -hmm. on the dollar, 
got the business back. And I've got to tell you, mate, outside of my marriage and, and having my three kids, that was one of the most exciting moments, definitely my most business exciting moment of my life, you know, to get that back and something I'd started from nothing and to have a chance to get it started again was, um, was something amazing. So this is where it, it sort of turns into today. And I've got to tell you, it's not easy taking your family across continents or let alone countries. It's, it's a bit of a big deal. It's a huge culture shock. And um, I like to say you've got to burn your ships behind you. I don't know if you know the story about the, uh, the war that took place years ago. When, um, I often use the, um, the story Troy. It's not, that's not the exact story. It's, it's in my book. But people remember Troy, so it's easy to remember. But the Greeks mm-hmm. came over to take down Troy as they landed on all the beaches, the captains and the generals burn all the ships. Right. And they just said, if we, do not, if we don't take Troy, no one goes home. <laughs> so then there's that motivation to take Troy down so you know, they can end up using the facilities and the boats to get back to their families after they take Troy down. So that's pretty much what we did. You know, Burns ships had, had really nothing to go back to other than our families. But from a business sense, we, we had no choice but to make it. And I think that's important for entrepreneurs out there you really don't get your true results until you burn your ships behind you that motivates you enough that you have to be successful because if you're still holding on to something else, you know, it's, it's going to take a lot longer. It might never happen because it's the old story. If you, what happens when you've got a plan B? Plan B turns up all the time. So if you've only got a plan A, you know, you, you, this is how I look at it. If plan A doesn't work, then you sort of shuffle yourself around and you create another plan A. You know, it's a little bit controversial to what most people think, but I know personally that if you do burn your ships, you end up having a different motivation to look after your family and, and be successful. Hmm. So in saying that, we're here in the US and everything's going great and um, I get the company back and, and when we bring the big blue dog back around home, the kids have just seen those humane society ads. They were old enough now to understand all these dogs getting euthanized in America is such a big deal. Like, it's crazy. It's rampant. So they said to my wife, what can we do? How can we help, you know, with these dogs? You know, we're, we're there in the middle of the night and my, my wife wakes me up and says, oh, I've got a great idea. Why don't we get a 40-foot RV and tow the big blue dog around the country and, and save dogs' lives and raise awareness? And at the same time, we can do some rebranding with Hydro Dog and get people to be a part of the culture and help us save dogs' lives. So we committed a year-and-a-half tour 50 states, 200 cities, pushing dogs at shelters and events and raising awareness for animal adoption, raising a million dollars and um, creating all these relationships around the country. So we've literally done the first leg of the tour. We are now starting um, in the end of April. We're going to be doing a big event in LA with Larry King and his celebrity friends to launch the last 12 months. Now, even though we've nearly done 30 states, we're about to do go back through those states again. We're going to do 50 states and do the 200 cities. And we're committed to, to raising that million dollars. So we've got some amazing sponsors on board with thegreatergood.org, thegreatergood.com and Wild Pets. They're our strategic partners and they're helping us with all of our sponsors create some magic and, you know, make this happen. So that's what we're doing. We're getting set. We're putting the blueprints together. We're going to have our events and dates of cities and states we're going to be at in the next couple of weeks. And then we're just really getting ready and preparing ourselves for our last 12 months because we know what we have to do now, mate. It took a lot to understand the industry. I've been in the pet industry for 20 years and jumping into the rescue world was definitely an eye-opener. It's not, (laughs) you can't say it's the pet industry, it's the rescue world. So now we've got a little bit more (coughs) knowledge about it. 
I feel very comfortable and confident that we're actually going to hit these marks. So that's where we're at. We've got my beautiful wife, three kids, which is um, Isabella, 13, uh, Austin, 12, and Aria, 11. Uh, we've got three rabbits. Yes, you heard me right. Three rabbits and a little <laughs> dog, 12-month-year-old rescue. And um, we're on a mission. And uh, if you check us out on bathetosave.com, you can see the 40-foot RV and the 23-foot big blue dogs that we're <clears throat> towing behind us. And we're going to um, to cities and states, you know, near. I, I can guarantee anybody that's listened to this program, we will be coming to a town near them. And anyone that's got a rescue, we'd love to meet them and talk about them and we're actually doing rescue stories that we're going to be uploading on the animal rescue site, which is the greater good in our, and our site as well. We can talk about how they saved their dog and, you know, what, um, what stories attached to that. And, you know, we're really getting some great content that's going to make a big difference and get a lot of people involved across the country. So, mate, that's where we're at right now. We're very motivated to get our goal and then very keen to get our big blue dogs all around the country to help this legacy continue. So once the Bay to Save tour is over in 12 months, we want our hydro dog operators to come along and be a part of the Bay to Save initiative and still wash dogs and raise awareness for animal adoption once a month with all the shelters that we're currently creating the relationships with. So, um, you know, it's, it's a big thing. And, and I often say this to people, if you look at this with over 200 big blue dogs in Australia, if they are in America right now, and you've got to remember, Australia's only the same size as Florida as far as population goes, but if we had 200 big blue dogs here in America right now, and all of those operators just went out and washed dogs at the shelters one day a month and saved one dog, that's 200 dogs a month <clears throat> that we would be saving. So if you compare that to how big your country is, we've got another 49 states to go with putting our big blue dogs over here. And we could have such a massive impact long term of, you know, bringing down the euthanasia. I mean, the goal, working with other um, organisations to eradicate euthanasia would be something wonderful to leave behind as a legacy as, uh, you know, as everybody goes through this process together. Yeah, what you're doing there is fantastic, Anthony. It's really exciting. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the website where people can find out more. It's bathetosave.com. And I just want to go back for a moment, Anthony. For, for those that are listening, there's a lot of people here too, that are listening, that are entrepreneurs, that are business uh, people that have their own business, that are, that are wanting to start a business. One, one thing that I really wanted to ask you is when you first started out Hydra Dog, how did you take it? from you and you and your brother wasn't it i think you meant you it was you and your brother yep. how'd you go from you and your brother to the massive success that you had i mean it would have been in stages but can you tell us did you have mentors was there certain books how did you learn the uh, the business not not actually just washing the dogs i mean but business in general how, how to build a business and get it franchised and all that kind of thing it's one of those things where we just had to learn as we, as we went along. And I think books are really important. I think where Rich had a big impact on me as a, as a 20 year old. I also listened to um, Harvey McKay was a big deal. I actually got him in my book with a, uh, uh, a jersey from a, um, the Titans. It used to be the Seagulls, a signed jersey, and he's got it on and took a photo, and he's in my book as well. It's a look, reading How to Catch a Shark, which is the book that I brought out with Kevin Harrington. Kevin Harrington was one of the original sharks off the shark tank. It talks about how you can build relationships and change your life by being in different circles. And that's really what happened to us. You know, we, we worked so hard. We never borrowed $1 to 
to grow our business because we were out there on the tools and we learned that business from the scr- from scratch. Washing dogs, you hear you've got these big football guys, you know, you're talking 110 kilo bloke with front row or forward going out there and washing dogs and just really, you know, putting yourself into that entrepreneurial space. It was the freedom of being able to do what I wanted to do. So yeah, I guess reading the books and going to particular business groups and you know, just putting yourself into different circles. And once you get into the franchising world as well, you know, you can rub shoulders with guys that have built huge businesses that you just do. So I guess, you know, they often talk about the five people you you hang around, you know, you can divide by that and that's what your income is or the five people determines the mirror of who you are as a person. I mean, that's easy enough said, mate, but to get into those circles, you have to provide a little bit of a credibility for yourself. You know, you've got to have something that people can go, oh, okay, well, you can come in and, you know, be in our circles. You've got to have something that is of value. And I often tell people that if you want to meet somebody, provide the value. Don't ask for anything. Get in there and get to know them and find out what their best bottle of scotch is or find out if they love going to a hockey and get them some tickets or just work out if you really, really want to meet someone that you think that's, that you're congruent with, Make the effort to get to know them. There's so much stuff online these days. And then just write them a hand note. I wrote a hand note to Harvey McKay and sent him that football jersey from Australia because his story had a really big impact on, you know, what happened as a kid. And to have him in my book and talk about my book and him have the jersey on, I mean, who, who can do that? Anybody can do that. That's the whole secret. So the answer to your question is it was a matter of working really hard, finding the right circles to be in, you know, you, everybody has their hurdles, mate, but you just don't give up. If you've got that dream of, you know, getting to a <laughs> getting to a hundred franchises because you've got a, you want to get a Rolex in Geneva, then that's the type of stuff you just got to work really hard for, and everything falls into place. But you've got to be around the right people. I mean, one of the hardest things I did was almost separate myself from my football mates and um, and football team at the time, just so I could get to that next area of business with franchising. And business, you know, I'm still all good mates with all those guys, don't get me wrong, but I, I went away from those circles to really concentrate on where I wanted to be and passionately wanted to be involved in with, with my business. Yeah. And one of the things that really stands out to me, Anthony, too, is that, like you said, it's not a glamorous business washing dogs. And a lot of people, I think, can be a bit too fussy about maybe what they go into business doing. But, you know, providing some needed basic services like, like washing a dog because before you, what you did with Hydra Dog, before that, you know, it might have been hard for people to imagine, well, what kind of a business is that washing dogs? But, you know, you've made oh, something our, amazing. Hey, my, our parents laughed at us. Even our parents laughed at us and said, what? No son of mine's going to be going out there washing dogs. I was a professional <laughs> footballer. They were beside themselves. But I think the thing is, and you bring up such a really good point, and this is the first time anyone's actually brought it up, and I haven't spoken in in depth about this, but when people say you've got to be passionate about what you do, if you've got to find your passion, mate, the reason most people aren't successful is that they don't know what their passion is or how they find their passion. It's It's such an illusion for many people that don't know to find it. Now, listen, okay, I love dogs. That That's fine. But it wasn't about washing dogs. The passion was growing a business from nothing. The passion was getting in every day and knowing that there's another trailer that's just been sold. The passion is that now we're getting up to 30 franchises, 50 franchises. So you've got to really work out the direct passion of the business itself. It can't be an individual. Some people fall into it and find it and just become 
amazing at it. Other people don't know how to find what they're passionate about. You've just got to get out there and start something that you might think you are, and most of the time, it ends up being the wrong way, but the lessons you learn along that way put you into the right path. Mate, this is such a great topic because I never really talk about it. You know, it's, it's a very loose word. Find your passion. You'll be successful. You never work a day in your life. Logically, if you look at my little story with what you're saying right now, I didn't wake up every day and go, yes, I'm going to wash another dog now. I'm so excited. I'm going to get $10. I wasn't passionate about that. You know, I was passionate that I had my own business to start with, but I, was all, I could also see the growth. Entrepreneurs love to see what they've done. That's why property developers are so successful. They can build a high-rise and turn around and show their kids and say, for the rest of your lives, you will see that high-rise. That's a legacy they're left behind. The big blue dog in Australia, mate, there's over 200 of them. Every time I go back to Australia and see a big blue dog, how excited do you think I get? Mm. I mean, I don't even know who those people are anymore. But <laughs> an entrepreneur's passion is, is growing something that, they can look back on and reflect and say, wow, look what I did. I don't think that's an ego thing. I think that's a real positive output of their passion. So you don't have to love that little moment that you think you need to scrutinize it down to. I think you've just got to get in and get passionate about entrepreneurs love to grow shit. So if they're growing something, then that's where I see that window being so expansive rather than trying to narrow it right down to that passionate pinpoint that most people don't find, so they give up. That, it's such a great topic, mate, because I, I really don't, don't dive into this, but it, it, it's very notable to me on what that passion is, and most people loosely say it, and people get lost in the word itself. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting you mentioned that the property development deal that you went into after you sold the Hydra Dog Australia in New Zealand, it didn't work out. I, I'm assuming, too, with hot, even the great success you had with Hydra Dog, that there would have been, it, it wasn't all smooth sailing. What's, what's some of the biggest obstacles or mistakes that you faced along the way? This is, a, mate, you're good, I tell you. So there's two things that I often reflect on is that regrets and mistakes. It's not a regret to me if you enjoy doing it at the time. And mistakes is very similar to me. I sort of see those types of mistakes, not necessarily anything that's wrong. Mistakes sort of is put in the basket that something was wrong or something went bad. I, I see things of, of having hurdles or doors being closed for you to grow and get around and, and take another decision that's going to be more impacting. To me, cash flow is so important to stay alive. So you've really got to be creative on what that looks like and consistently thinking, how, how did you keep money in your businesses to stay afloat when those tough times come down. Because I, I remember there was, a, there was a moment when we sold 10 franchises in a month. Now, just to think about that for a second, these two young 20-year-olds, you know, selling 10 franchises in one month, that it was just the most exciting moment ever to go from one, because the economy of sales, you don't know when that actually kicks in in franchising. What I mean by that is all the expenses going out, by the time all the right money comes in, it levels out. So you're not losing anymore. The money coming in is, is compensating for all your expenses. So the economy of scale to us, we worked it out, was going to be around about 15. Then it was 20, and then it was 25, and it was actually 30. And when we hit 30 franchises, it was because of that month. We're now in the, in the black. And getting up to that point was very, very tough. No one knew about us. 
no one, you know, was really into getting their dogs washed at that point. In Australia, Memphis, oh, no, I just throw them in the pool. Oh, no, he just goes for swimming the dam. I don't need to do that. So we really had to um, educate the marketplace, and that was tough. We had to work harder. We were working seven days a week. I'm not exaggerating. We're up at five. We're home at seven, seven days a week, you know, and in between that, we'd go to football training and play football on Sundays. I guess it's it, my, my biggest two things that I would, I would share with a young entrepreneur is, you know, never give up. You hear that all the time, but never, ever, ever give up. Just never give up. That, that's really the number one thing that, that I absolutely live by. And the second thing is you've got to learn to live in the moment. If you don't live in the moment, then everything gets too much and you get overwhelmed and you don't get things done. And it took me four years consciously to live in the moment. So if anything comes into my mind now that I know I have no control out of, I can shut it out and not deal with it until it's time to actually deal with it. That, that has been a true wisdom to my success over here because there's been a lot more hurdles over here than growing hot dog in Australia, let me tell you, culture-wise to start with. You know, the Americans do business very, very differently to Australians. They've got a different resistance. They've got different relationships. It's, it's really, <laughs> they're, they're, they're tough. You know, it's, it's, it's very different to, um, to create a deal. But once you get in and, you know, you're respected and you're in the right circles, again, becoming mates with Kevin Harrington put me into a completely different circle. And that's been very beneficial for, you know, for both of us with what we're doing. But, yeah, I would just say learn to live in the moment. You know, never, ever give up because you're going to have those tough days. And you only get those tough days because it's making you a lot harder the bigger decisions and lessons are about to happen to you that's coming down the track. Yeah, excellent advice. Look, Anthony, I, I really appreciate the time you've spent with us today and everything you shared has been extremely valuable. And I've really enjoyed hearing about your story and the passion you have and what you're doing with Bait to Save. So I wish you all the very best with that. And I'll definitely be watching what you're doing there. And I encourage everyone, uh, again, com, especially if you're in the U.S., with all the states that you're, you're visiting. Now, uh, Anthony, before we let you go, though, uh, any final thoughts you had for our listeners? Well, I'll give you some final thoughts, but if people want to really help the tour, if you go to bathetosave.com and go to shop or go to bathetosaveshop.com and get some of our merchandise on there, that's actually going to help support the tour and get us around and complete our goals. So if anybody, especially in the US, you want to jump on, Bathe to save. Look, everything that you get from there, obviously you get to get some merchandise, but 100% of that money goes towards the tour to help us complete our goals. So that would be very, very helpful. I think the advice for any entrepreneur that's out there is if you don't want to be like everybody else, you've got to make enough noise that's very different. You know, you've got to go into a room when you're meeting somebody and be remembered. It is very quickly the, the time we met Larry King. I mean, Larry King was in our RV interviewing the family, mate. I mean, what a, what a wonderful experience <laughs> yeah. that was. And uh, when, when he was leaving, I raced over to the limo driver, took off the limo driver's hat, obviously with permission, jumped in the front seat. And as Larry jumped in the back seat, I went, all right, Larry, you ready to go to Australia, mate? He just looked at me and said, oh, you're one crazy Australian you are. <laughs> and every time Philip, which is our connection with Larry, um, talks about us. He says, you remember that guy? Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. So he always remembers me because I put the limo hat on and just said, let's go to Australia. You've got to do something like that. If you want to be impressionable and remembered, you can't do what everyone else does because if you follow the crowd, you'll always end up at the exit. Make sure that you do something memorable. Make sure you do something that people can go, oh, that person. They're not always going to remember your name. But, you know, if you get that 
word or they come up with a nickname or something like that. Oh, that crazy Australian. I get that all the time. But I don't do what everyone else does because it's a bit of a shock factor. But it's still well within, you know, the, the funny part of it. It's, it's nothing crossing the line with disrespect or anything. you just got to yeah. stay in that that area but be remembered and that way you get to places faster and people will rem- remember you yeah awesome awesome yeah look that, that's oh, thank you so much for sharing that made me <laughs> made me laugh that's that's a great that's a great advice great story so again thank you so much anthony anthony amos we've been listening to aussie but living and working and doing great things there in the u.s at the moment with him and his family wishing all the very best anthony and i want to thank everyone for listening here to our podcast today. thank you mate really appreciate it see you later everybody hey john is here if you got something out of today's podcast episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast as each week I'm doing more of these valuable interviews. Also, share it with your friends. Now, if you want to get in contact with me, you can do so anytime through my website, johnlegadarkus.com. There's also a lot of great free resources there to help you to get more traffic and leads for your business. This is John Legadarkus signing off. I'll see you all next time.